With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Leitner from Hurley misses, and that's an indication of how this game is gone. At the other end, it is Hunt bringing it into the pass. Altman, and it's all the running revs. They feel it now, and Krzyzewski will use another timeout. 72-47. Hunt hits a three, and folks, this one's all Vegas. And you know, Brent, this will be the first team from the Pacific time zone that has won a final championship since UCLA way back in 1975. 103-73, UNLV. We may uh, violate a few of our uh, bumper uh, rules today uh, with this uh, great collection of musical guests we have today. I need it to try. You mean like playing more than 60 seconds? Yes. <laughs> that is my guy. Went over the threshold there. That is my guy, Nathaniel Whitlip. To hell with it. We might play the whole thing. Playing, uh, <laughs> and we're starting off with a little theme here today. I need never get old. Is that, uh, is that theme? All right. We have been doing the final four this week. Started Tuesday. Uh, went through three buzzer beaters. Wonderful games. Absolute games. But today, we are celebrating... My all-time favorite Final Four that I ever covered, <laughs> UNLV 103, Duke 73, 1990. I had tears in my eyes. I was so emotional watching <laughs> that ass-kicking. Uh, and, uh, and, of course, the next year they ended up losing. By the way, we were talking yesterday about uh, basketball arenas where they played. That was played in McNichols, 1990 Denver, right? in Denver. Oh, it was. They were yeah. still in the small old arena there, which was both the hockey and the basketball For the arena there. Played, yeah. So let me 103-73. That's as good a game as any basketball team has. Ever. No, I mean Duke was. I mean Duke. God it was no him. match. UNLV was, UNLV was fabulous. Larry Johnson, Stacy Ogman, oh, and Greg man. Anthony. And a, so let me ask you this, sir. Yes. When did your Disliking, to put it lightly, for Duke, for Duke begin. The Louisville Duke game. When what year was that? When Louisville beat him, Milt Wagner and Billy Thompson and those guys. It was eighty nine, right? Would have been eighty nine. Right before that. Would have been right before that. Did was Duke later, lose two finals in a row? Well, they went to the final four four years yeah, in a row. Yeah. Did, did, 89, did, 90, 91, did they 92. Lose the, I know they lost the 80. The next year was the first time they won it, right? That was the year. They won. No, 91. 92 beat, was here. You're right. You're right. 91, they beat UNLV. And I remember they upset UNLV in, in the 91. semifinals, yeah. and then they beat yeah. somebody but in the final. Yeah. It was the Louisville game because 
That was Billis was on that team. Whatever year that was. Billis that would have been late eighties. All right. Okay. Probably. Billis grew up next to Tace, Tracy Austin in Rolling Hills, California. It was you know the great young tennis player. Yep. And he was a rich kid from Southern California. And they had all these, you know, you know kids from good background, I mean from wealthy backgrounds and and they were privileged, the Dukies. And Louisville had Billy Thompson and Milt Wagner, who grew up in Camden, New Jersey, with rats running over their head. You know, both of them. Mm-hmm. And all my contemporaries there were saying, oh, those Duke kids, I love those Duke kids. They're so articulate, and they're so well-spoken, and Krzyzewski's such a high-class guy, and it drove me nuts, because <laughs> I wanted to see the kids from the city kicked their ass and uh and i was uh it did just the whole thing and then they were out there flopping on the floor trying to get you know get fouls called and every time every time there was a 50 50 call duke got it because oh they were such nice kids even the referees thought they were the nice kids and that's where it started it was started with me rooting for secretly rooting for louisville well maybe not that secret so but (laughs) so was it more it was it was the it was the idea that, oh, my, you know, Duke, they're just so special. You guys are overthinking this. They're so special. It was agitation. Because no, your, no, comrade, no. your comrades were all on board with... With the whole mystic. The, yes, they were. But I don't... But I think my vision of what was going on was better than theirs. Okay. You know. Sure. You got a bunch of kids who's... If they don't make it in basketball, they're going to go they're back done. to Camden, you know, and not get a job. And so was it? And more, they were good guys too. Was it more of? Was it more the players, or was it more so Coach K? I think sort it was the whole a, mystique, the whole thing, the whole thing about uh, you know. And I mean, even now, this guy does such a great job as a coach. Okay, he's a he's a good coach. I'll say that, but. He's got the number one, number three, number four, number ten freshman in and the he's, country. He's in the doing. World. I mean, the, the way Duke is now is completely different from. Yes, and I mean, because now he's, he's doing thing. all the same stuff that everybody else yes, is doing. But it was he's going terrible. to get the one and It done, was dude. terrible when Kentucky was doing it. Right. Now it's all. Oh, now it's great. Gotta, now that Duke is doing it, it's fantastic. Now he's got to do it. Now he's got to do it. So yeah, that's it. All started there. And besides, you know, I mean, they're just now. I tell you, one guy I really liked was Grant Hill. Grand Hill oh, was yeah. funnier now. And uh, I was there with the Gophers in 89 when they first, when Clem first miraculously took them to the tournament for the first time. That, you know, and they made it to the Sweet 16 mm-hmm. and lost to Duke. But they were in the same region. They didn't play Duke there. They played when I was down there. The first round, second round, they were in the same place as the Gophers. And so I was... You know, we'd done all our Duke, I mean, all our gopher reporting and stuff, and the Duke kids were there. And this was when they were getting off the bus, and everybody was screaming and hollering, and, you know, they were rock stars. <laughs> and Grant Hill gave me one of my favorite all-time quotes, which you really couldn't use. But uh, somebody said... It, I, thought, I thought you were going to tell it. <laughs> somebody said... I am going to tell Oh. It's the radio. And, uh, <laughs> and he said... Somebody said to Grant Hill, he's a freshman there, said... How about Christian and all the girls screaming and hollering and Christian and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Grand Hill says, Christian? Girls? Nah. 
<laughs> set off a firestorm. No, 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 no. But he was a he was a he had a twinkle in his eye, that kid. You know, he was yeah. a great player, by the way, if he had never gotten hurt. But Oh uh, gosh, he was yeah, unbelievable. I liked him a lot. But uh but Christian was you know Christian had a lot to do with my Duke dislike. I was just gonna say because when you think of a reason to ass. Yeah, bye bye. Well, that's what I was gonna say because if you don't like Duke basketball, if you're somebody who hates Duke basketball, Mm -hmm. the main reason why you hate Duke basketball is because of how Christian Leitner, like how much you hate Christian Leitner. Yeah, yeah, and that's why they action at buffalowildwings.com slash tournament trackers. See you later. Fans can enjoy March Madness. Thanks for having me on, fellas. Yeah, four and a half minute interview. Yeah, and then was, anyway, what, that was. What, what I love though is that Grayson Allen became oh, he is. the new Leitner for you. Like you and, just, and you know what I dislike the most about you two guys? I love you two guys. Okay, but you were both rooting for the Timberwolves to draft one hundred and fifty percent. You were rooting for Grace. the Timberwolves to draft. And don't try to deny it. Not you only am I going to rooting. agree with you, <laughs> I we were in the. I am not joking, telling you this story. I told this story to Manny. I out thought the they air. were going to take the him. night of I the draft. Too. The Fairville Lakers were playing a home game. I forget our <laughs> opponent. I. Did, I refused to go coach first base <laughs> so I could sit in the dugout and watch the phone to yep. see who the Timberwolves were drafting. There's no sense in denying it. Oh, and in fact, everybody yeah. who listens to this show was rooting for him to take Grayson Allen. People just were to tweeting at you. Me. People were tweeting at you, and telling I you they were hoping they were going to take Grayson Allen. I think that's a terrible thing to have done because. I'm not the kind of guy to agitate other people. I don't know why you'd of like course. to see me get so agitated. <laughs> of that's right. Uh, Nathaniel Ratliff, we got a fantastic lineup of musical guests today for the last Ride with Rice. Girl can play the piano. I'll sing. You know, thank you, Aretha. We need that today on the last day. You've just given me a thought. Maybe what we've been doing wrong. We haven't been playing full songs out of commercial yes, right. breaks. <laughs> yes, that's true. You know, there's a guy across town that's been doing that for a couple of decades. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so, gentlemen, uh, as we uh, wind her down here, Joe and I just uh, wound her down after uh, 35 years together. We actually had a 12 or 13 month run before that, but I always say let's go back to September 12th, 83. Okay. Which is that we've been on since then. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. In some form. Uh, and Doogie was up here and Channel 5 was doing something, and Doogie was asking me about it. And what is interesting is, as I thought, you know, we're known for the wacky callers and stuff, but that was not something that we knew was going to occur on September 12th, 1983. It happened now, completely organically, on, yes. We'd had some on Sunday nights, and they'd call in and do little bits. But we didn't create the show. Joe and I came in here having done the Sunday night thing, and we were, we were, we were still out there. Hell yes, we were still out there. Uh, no, we were. We had been here the first time, and we got fired. And by the time yeah. when they rehired us, you were out, we in, Maplewood. Were out in Maplewood. Yep. We didn't know what we were going to do except come in and talk sports. And then people started calling in, and they basically hijacked the show, but in a good way. 
you know, I mean, they they turned it into what it became for five or six or seven years, uh, Monday night sports talk. And then Saturday night sports talk, I mean, Saturday morning sports talk was not as off the hook, goofy as Monday night sports talk. Because the nighttime callers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that, you know, those people who worked, uh, you know, got home at six, and that, and and they'd already. By the time we started Saturdays, which was a couple of years after we returned, uh, Monday had been taken over by these these people, and it turned out great. But Joe and I really do owe the popularity of that thing, and it was really a cult there for five or six years. Okay, we owe that popularity to. Greg Harrington and Guy Green and Toads and all these people who just no there was no shtick too outrageous to get on and as I pointed out this is Frank Quillacy's yeah, brother imaginary brother. <laughs> he announced Bill Quillacy Frank Quillacy's imaginary brother Bill Quillacy and Larry King was doing night times sure. and we were running it and he got on Larry King and identified himself as. <laughs> Bill Quillacy, Frank Quillacy's imaginary brother, and and there was that tape was floating around. I we we played it a couple of times, and Larry was a bit confused uh, to say this, <laughs> but I mean that was the atmosphere that was created. But it wasn't Joe and I saying, "Hey, let's turn this into this skit." comedy show but i think that that was what the charm of the show always was especially for me too being a kid listening to that was everything you could tell was happening organically yes nothing was forced nothing was script you could you you could tell that this was all just unfolding in that you two had zero idea which way it was going (laughs) to go and that was the beauty sometimes we'd come in on monday nights and the viking had played a game on sunday and or if there was a big story yeah we'd talk for eight or nine minutes about the viking game and you know make jokes about bud and stuff like that but uh uh yeah it was not it was not anything planned now saturdays were amazing because joe i i mean i was a little guilty but i got here at nine fifty three or 4 you know generally speaking i was at least five six minutes earlier but we were originally we we're going all the way over to maplewood i was driving from golden valley sure. to maplewood yeah but I, I usually get there nine fifty, nine fifty five. There were many a time when we'd start playing, heard it on the grapevine, and the mayor'd walk in. And, uh, he wasn't His even, car's he wasn't, still running. He wasn't the mayor yet, you know. He wasn't the mayor yet. This was all we were doing right. on radio uh, in ten o two, and and look and say what he always ran the show, and it's it's always been that way. He always he mm-hmm. always sat there, and uh, you know with no argument for me because I like playing off him. But 10.02, 10.03, he'd walk in and look and we'd look at each other and wait for one of the other guys to say something, you know, because it was, it was not, it was, uh, I mean, you've seen it now at three o'clock and it, it's kind of that way, but we'll, we'll, we got three minutes and he'll say, you got anything. You what know? do you got? We didn't even what say you, you got? got anything back then. We just waited for each other. Yeah, and talk. that was, you know, I only go back with this company for 11 mm-hmm. years, but when Mishki used to do the midday show, oh, sure. Tommy would pull the same oh, thing. Yeah. I'd see him walking in at, you know, 12.03. Hey, Tommy, how you doing? Got to go Reeves themes plan. You know, and he's still down the hallway <laughs> yeah. walking up from yeah. the parking lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that was the great thing about the station. 
in it in its heyday. I mean, in, in its best days were when you know Rush got on and then Joe got on and and that was when it was really doing well. But even you know in the eighties, you had Vogel and you had the goofy Jeff Charles and uh, and you had uh, you know. Mishki uh, joining Vogel and then mm-hmm. spinning off Vogel and and it was the whole thing was pretty damn spontaneous and you had the great Terry Ryder who was one of my favorites because uh, they used to uh, she was was she doing four hours she might have she was doing three for sure and she was in drive time and uh, and <laughs> she was she was different let's say that sure she, and she stood up to do her show she stood up through the whole show. And it would start it off. I was gonna. How are we gonna have me do my call in with Terry Ryder? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it ended up I was on it for twenty minutes. She'd make me stay during a break, you know. But we hold you over for another. I mean, I loved her. She was great, but she knew she didn't know if a basketball was round or square, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so uh, that was, you know. But she was a character too. We 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 had the whole place was filled with. Characters, characters. You know? oh heavens, yeah, yes, yeah, that was, in, and no, no better guy in, in the history of mankind than Vogel. You know, it was, <laughs> it was. I still feel bad. I, mean, I was out of town on it when he had his funeral. I just, yeah. you know, I would have given fifty bucks to see the guy walk up in his bare feet, swig down a beer, and put it on top of the casket and walk back <laughs> out. I mean, that, but that was kind of the 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 attitude of the thing. But Joe and I just, I mean, it worked, but. God knows why, because it just people started calling, and they, they were, they were, there was nothing like there. There'd been controversial uh, sports talk. Dave Sheehan was a, a Channel Nine anchor, anchor, and I think he started doing these like five minute hits for KDWB, maybe even in the in the seventies. The old AM the old, KDWB, yeah, the old yep. AM rock and you know rock and roll, mm-hmm. and he would say he would rip guys and something and do some controversy, but, uh, but there was not two full hours of irreverence like we had, you mm-hmm. know, we were, we were because of the callers, we started looking for the laugh. And I got to say 35 years later, that's, that's the way I do radio. You know, sometimes newspapers, that isn't the way it is, but, uh, on radio, obviously it's, it can't be a hundred percent that way because things happen. But, uh, We've always looked for the laughs, but the reason we started looking for the laughs was Frank Willis's imaginary brother and Guy Green, and uh, you know, we somebody today played, and we can't play it here because uh, the the uh, Charlie Anderson, a friend of mine, sent Joe's golf game. Oh my God! Uh, the first time Joe played golf in like twenty years at Eddie Dinah Country Club. Oh boy! And Guy Green played with us, and Guy did the, he had the eyewitness account, he had Henry Longhorse, he had Louie Nanny, he had all these voices giving their impression of golf, of Joe's golf game. It's in my Twitter feed, if you, you can play it off there if you want to hear it. It's, it's like pee your pants funny, talking about uh, Joe's golf game, and geese flies flying away trying to save their <laughs> lives and stuff like that it's uh it's fantastic but anyway that was it that's how it all started and 35 years later we uh we uh you know we were we still had that hour together uh three to four and, and you know joe would do his two hours and and garage logic 
lightened up certainly a lot in, uh, when he went to the two hours, one to three, I, th- I think, don't you? Yes. I mean, it's not always that way. And this show, we've kept pretty lighthearted, but three to four has, for these last number of years, maintained the the spirit, the attitude yep. of that. And certainly all you guys and Kenny, having Kenny is the cantankerous, will say anything. <laughs> weather, a uh, traffic guy, not weather guy, traffic guy certainly has helped in that vein. So anyway, that's how it all started. And uh, it's ending today. And uh, I think there's a chance that uh, I'll be doing some call-ins and, and things like that. But as far as the ride with Ricey, man, it was fun. The great John Connolly. I like that voice. Uh, and that guy could wear a bad leisure suit, couldn't he, John? He really could. <laughs> it's a bad leisure suit. I'd like to thank you for writing this uh, song about my life. <laughs> I dedicated that to you two guys to remind you that it will not always be thus. You know? <laughs> we'll, uh, you know, and... I'll be uh, looking up at you from a sub-location 30 years from now laughing when you guys are stumbling around like this. Uh, say, uh, we're, you know what we're all going to miss? If uh-huh. newspapers go under and magazines, printed stuff, mm-hmm. the corrections. Did you see this one from Brazil? <laughs> no. Uh, this is out of some magazine in Brazil. The correction. The candidate likes to spend his free time reading Tolstoy and not watching Toast Toy Story <laughs> as originally reported. Oh. <laughs> That's a little different, sir. Oh. Yeah, Here's John Height with a sports update. Thank you, Patrick. This update brought to you by Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Store, proud sponsor of the Beer Show Thursday nights with Mister Reavers here on fifteen hundred. ESPN. Uh, Twins Royals tonight at Target Field. They open up a three-game series. Stephen Gonzalez. The town is a buzz. <laughs> Stephen Gonzalez <laughs> pitches for the Twins. Righty Heath Fillmire will pitch for Kansas City. The lineup to face. I don't know anything about Heath Fillmire, but I'd take him for Steve Stephen Gonzalez <laughs> right now. Uh, the lineup to face Old Heath tonight goes like this. Joe Maurer leads off at first base. Polanco at shortstop hitting second. Eddie Rosario back in the lineup hitting All third. All right. Go get him, Eddie. He's in left field. Logan, uh, Logan Forsythe hits cleanup what? tonight. Yeah, he's, oh, he's boy. Cleanup. One of the analytic geniuses came up with this lineup today. <laughs> he's at second base. Uh, Jake Cable hit fifth in center field. Mitch Garver catches and hits sixth. Max Kepler What'd hits. What did they do? Throw darts, Johnny? <laughs> it sounds like it, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Kepler hits seventh in right field. Robbie Grossman DHs hits eighth. Can't get him out of the lineup, baby. And Adrian's is at third base, and he will hit ninth. How uh, far does Gonsalves go tonight? Uh, well, it's against Kansas City. I think we'll see a good game from four and a third. Four and a third. Like that, yeah. Four and a third. 132 pitches, four and a third, something like that. Only gives up five runs. <laughs> yeah, all right. He'll be pretty good. So, uh, just, be right. this, He's a left-handed Oda Rizzi. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, disturbing news from the Twins division. Oh, White Sox righty Michael Kopech. Oh no. Yep, diagnosed with a torn ulnar collateral oh, ligament. Man, that didn't take long, did it? No. Tommy John surgery has been recommended for the highly wow. regarded. There Ian goes my Reagan. White Sox. My prediction: you can't throw a hundred. Is the moral of that story, right? Yeah. yeah just ask you, Darvish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he threw ninety-two and he blew it out. So. St. Paul Saints with a commanding two games to none, leading their best of five series against Gary. Uh, because Take that, Barrero. 
<laughs> because game one was rained out there. Yeah, we win. No. Yeah. We got the Saints. You got your Gary, whatever the hell they are. They're the uh, South, uh, Rail, South Shore Railcats. Gary South Shore that's Railcats. A good, that's a good on That sounds like a soccer name. You know, earlier today, Patrick, uh, Joe was wondering how the Saints travel in this series, and Rookie suggested... The mega bus. The mega bus. <laughs> mega bus to Gary. <laughs> Don't bet against it. We're going to ride the upper we deck. Get, we get a lot of. The mega bus goes to Gary. That's why. Yeah, right. Uh, because <laughs> game one was rained out, there are no off days, so they're playing again tonight. But tonight in Gary, a win, the Saints move on. Now, all three of these games, if necessary, will be played in Gary to round out mm-hmm. the series. Maybe that's what you should have taken with the bride to Chicago instead of the train. <laughs> I wish I would have. <laughs> hey, buddy. That was the worst experience. It's been all downhill since then. That was worse than getting fired. <laughs> Riding the Amtrak was worse than getting fired. Huh, interesting. <laughs> At the BMW Championship, Xander oh Shuffley is in the lead after the second round. He's at 13-under. Justin Rose is in second at 11-under. Several fellas tied at 10-under. Uh, Tiger Woods fell back a bit. He was even on the day. He now sits at 8-under. Oh, five, really? Five strokes okay. back of the lead. He choking early this week. <laughs> a day or two early. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Tiger, he responded favorably to Nike's ad featuring Colin Kaepernick that ran for the first time during the uh, op- season-opening NFL game last night, saying, quote, it's a beautiful spot. Woods is a longtime Nike Dorsu, who started with the company on the day he turned pro in 1996. He said, I think Nike's trying to get out ahead of it and trying to do something special, and I think they've done that. It's a beautiful spot, and pretty powerful people are in the spot. Despite the stock going down, they're saying that their online sales are up 30% or something. I saw the first couple of Wow. Uh, The ad's narrated by Kaepernick, the former NFL quarterback. The spot touches on the controversy of NFL players protesting racial inequality, Mm -hmm. police brutality, and other issues by demonstrating during the playing of the National Anthem. We know this from reading this morning, Star Tribune. Ron Yeri is not buying any uh, new Nike sneakers. Ron's uh, Ron's Ron's not in favor. Very upset. Very upset. Very upset. All right. Hey, Johnny, you got to go. Man. Okay. See you in the next. Uh, yes, where the hell is he going to go? <laughs> <laughs> He's got to go do something. Mm-hmm. Had to throw a little Linda in there, didn't we? Absolutely. Last day of the ride. How do you like the musical selection so far? A plus so far. Yeah, good hey, by uh, the way. Yeah. Every time I hear her voice, all I can picture is her wearing that Dodger oh, jacket yes, singing the anthem. Me too. What year was it? Well, it would have been 81? 80, yeah, 81. Right? Yes. Well, that was the Yankees-Dodgers. Yeah, you're right, 81. Yeah, I was there. That was the first World Series I covered. Really? Yep. That was a fun one, too. Uh, you know, the Yankees won the first. The Yankees were heavily favored, and they won the first two in... Uh, in the Yankee Stadium, and then they went out and got swept in Dodger Stadium. Yep. And then the Dodgers came back and beat them in Game Six. Tommy John started, and George went nuts. Like George ordered him, who did he order out of the lineup or something? When they came back three to down three to two. Okay. And the greatest part was uh, Dave Winfield. Like didn't get a hit till the fifth game. He was. 0 for 21 or something, and George called him Mr. May. Remember, that was when he called him Mr. May. I don't know if it was during that series or afterwards, but he referred to him as Mr. May. That was Winnie's first year there, I think. I think it was his first year there. Okay. And he was going to replace Reggie and blah, blah, blah. And uh, 
But, uh, yeah, and then they, uh, Winnie received a death threat from some, you know, got a phone call at the hotel or something. But the, the New York tabloids were extremely enthused about Winnie getting a death threat, right? Okay. Because uh, you could sell some... You could sell some newspapers with the death threat. Okay. And I'll never forget, uh, the front page showed of the of the post was Yank Death Threats. And uh, and then on the back, when you flipped it around in the back page, which was just almost the second most important, and that's where the sports was, although during the World Series it was okay. on the front too. Fear Grip Stadium. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. And and then Rick Cerrone. God, I don't know why, but supposedly Rick Cerrone received a death, death, death threat, too. And we were saying the New York Post put in a hotline where you could call in call death, death threats <laughs> so, they could, so they could sell more tabloids. Did Rick Cerrone give the, yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got one, too. But it was, and that, of course, is when George got in the fight, too. With the, oh uh, yeah, and uh, sometimes they were staying in the Wilshire uh, Hotel right next to uh, the the park there, and, uh, and and near the stadium. And it was it, that was one of the nice hotels. I'm sure there's nicer ones now. But uh, he and he said he, he showed up at the ballpark and he had bruises and cuts on his face, and and everybody thought he fell down drunk or something. And but he said that he got in a fight getting off the elevator. Uh, Got in a fight getting off the elevator because there were people insulting New York as a city. Sure, and he was defending New York. Uh, that's that's why he got in a fight. You know, he, he made himself a hero of the story, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, Lee Montville, the Boston Globe, the greatest columnist in the country at the time and maybe ever, one of the greatest, wasn't even at the World Series, but he wrote the column. I've told you this. He wrote the column about how he and George got on the elevator together. And on the second floor, they ran into some Nazis and kicked the crap out of them. And on the third floor, they ran into a, mice, a bicycle gang and mm-hmm. a motorcycle gang, and they kicked the crap out of them. And on the fourth floor, I don't know who they beat up. You know, they, on the fifth floor, somebody, some other evil group. And he said, then I got out. I don't know what happened on the sixth floor. <laughs> you know, he ran into the New York guys. And, and I had a copy of that column for years, and I had Montville actually sign it once, but I don't. I lost it somewhere, so... It, it was great. one of my favorite all-time columns, and that World Series was uh, great fun. I remember we, uh, you know, you're flying red eyes from oh, from both know, coasts, from, uh, sure, yeah, yeah. from uh, New York to uh, from LA to New York. But that uh, Game Six was, uh, I think that's also, I don't think that was that was uh, Bob Lemon. I don't think that was Billy, right? That was '81. I think Bob Lemon. I think you might be right. That's when he gave us the great about three of us well, the greatest quote ever. What's it like to manage in New York? When you fart, it becomes an explosion. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was, uh, yeah, that was a fun World Series to cover. Hey, Pat, sure. really quick. I know we normally don't take phone calls, but we did want to have one send off from a, okay. a buddy of yours. Uh, okay. Ray from St. Louis Park wanted to say a quick goodbye. Oh, to you. hey, Ray. Yes. Ray from St. Louis Park. Hey, hey, hey. This is Ray. <laughs> yes. Patrick, what is going on today? Uh, well, New Ray. York. New York, Patrick. I, a kid from Brooklyn. I remember the New York Yankees yes. were the team to beat. Mm-hmm. 
Do you remember that? Yes, they were the team to beat frequently, and 1981 was one of those years. Yes, uh, uh, Bob Lemon, I believe. Yes. Game six, uh-huh. sandwiched right in between five and seven. <laughs> Except seven was never played, but uh, yes, you're close there. The game, well, uh, this is true, because we called it, as children, we called it the game that was never played, number seven. <laughs> Yes, you did. It was, uh, yes, because you had game. tickets. Ray, I think you once told me you had tickets for games. I seven. had tickets. I went with my father. We had, uh, I remember we went to a nice deli before. We, we didn't want <laughs> there, the... Um, there was one right up the street. I just, bet you went to that one. Yes, it was up the street. There was yeah. a, it was a stone's throw from the, the ballpark. I think it was Maury's. Maury's. Boy, imagine that. And then he had, the circum- he had the circumcision place in the back. <laughs> Was, uh, you could get the uh, the freshest cut in New York. They said. <laughs> That's right. And the uh, I remember it was uh, uh, Morty, uh, uh, his cousin Morty's cousin Morty. Imagine oh, yeah. that. Yes. If it wasn't confusing enough, yeah. he was a, a he went to school, and I remember uh, uh, he 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 made quite a bit. He made a hundred and fifty thousand plus tips. That old joke is a, yes. will always be funny. Yes, to me it and my always family. will be funny. It oh. was told in the Catskills many times. Oh my God! Yes, it was... and it, uh, it, uh, you know, uh, Patrick. <laughs> of course, we know baseball is a um, a sport mm-hmm. where you have a winner and a loser. Yes, you do. There's none of this, uh, you know, none, none of these ties. It is another game where they do not keep uh, uh, a, a score clock. Yes, I'm not sure what you call it, a, a scoreboard? Yeah, they don't have a clock. They There's no clock. clock, so it could, it, in theory, it could go on forever. Mm-hmm. Kind of like this call. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, that happens. That, that, this is something that uh, will happen. Well, hey, Ray. You keep listening, even though the ride's not going to be on. You keep listening because Josh will be on to give advice to help you with a secure financial future. I fully endorse uh, Josh Arnold. Uh, He is a a smart man. He has missed the money talk. Yes, he is. Thanks, Ray. Yes, Patrick, and uh, and regards to you, yes, and uh, we will speak soon. Okay, sir. We'll see you at the ballpark. Okay, Ray, thank you very much. Oh, thank goodness. Ray from St. Louis Park. One of the most diehard, dedicated listeners. Yes, he is. He's another guy that doesn't have a meter. A long time a loyalist to the Friday Feel Good Funk Fest will be running, wondering why I feel a good one coming on by Blackberry Smoke. An hour early, running yeah. Running an hour early. Well, A, we want you to get your weekend started early. Why not? And uh, B, uh, we're going to have a little different send-off uh, song today. Uh, since this is the la- not only the last ride with Racy, the last Friday Feel Good Fun Fest. And uh, I guess we're going to have to have our Friday Fun Fest Feel Good Thoughts for the... For the week. For the... For the century, sure. When we for, eternity. For, for eternity, <laughs> uh, when we uh, at uh, five fifty-five, that's uh, that's what we will do. Now, you saw Blackberry Smoke at the uh, at the. Uh, you went out to the, the zoo, right? Didn't you see him at the zoo? I did. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Johnny Height and I. And you guys, uh, it was a jam-packed crowd. It was you had crowded. To stand, uh, but uh, how are they at, at an evening? Uh, well, phenomenal. Like well, first that. of all. I think we mentioned this the day after the show, but the zoo, we always forget what a great spot that mm-hmm. is to watch live music. The only issue is the mosquitoes. 
But other yeah. than that, everything else about it is fantastic. They the probably sound quality can't is great. really, since you're a zoo, you, you can't probably can't spray the, the hell airplane. out of everything. You can't run the airplane <laughs> over there with a cloud Kill of, everything uh, inside. cloud of everything and then come out and have dead zebras. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, know, oh, man, it was, well, it was you a can fun always night. get yourself a donkey and yeah. paint it and paint tell it. them it's a zebra. <laughs> you know, the thing about the, that story about the, was China, right? Uh, I was sure. China. Yeah, I might as well have been China. Uh... That was not a good paint job either. No, it, it was did, all off kilter. Doggy, that it didn't look like a zebra. You know, it didn't uh, have consistency. <laughs> it did not. <laughs> you know, kind of like you know, like Leland. Yeah, I was like Leland could have painted this. Is that a fire truck? Yeah, that's, that's Come true. on, give me something. All right, hey, uh, we got an hour to go, and uh, I can guarantee you the music is going to be just as good in the second hour.